Hey, Next on the T Nation, thanks for tuning in to this segment of the show featuring former tour pro, broadcaster, and one of the all-time great hosts, and that's Charlie Reimer. And thank you so much for your continued support. The show is currently ranked number three in the Podcast Magazine Hot 50 list. We've been number two in June and July, now number three in August and September. We'd certainly appreciate your vote. You can do so daily by going online to podcastmagazine.com forward slash hot 50. You guys have been fantastic. This is your show, and you're certainly showing that by your votes. Thank you so very much. Y'all are fantastic. Enjoy this segment. Also want to remind you about our friends over at TaylorMade. Golf is an interesting game because the better you hit the ball, the fewer shots you have to hit. That means the better you hit the ball, the less golf you actually have to play. That's why TaylorMade made their all-new Stealth Irons. Stealth Irons feature a catback design with a 3D toe wrap designed to help deliver increased distance through the bag and more forgiveness on those occasional, or you know, maybe not so occasional, less than perfect shots. The result? Better shots more often, so you get to have more fun more often. So if you're the kind of golfer who wants to play less golf more often, try the all-new Stealth Irons from TaylorMade, Beyond Driven. Okay, now back in next on the tee with me is Charlie Reimer. You all know Charlie from the wonderful job he did for years on the Golf Channel, plus his shows, Riding with Reimer, and now the Charlie Reimer Golf Show. Charlie is from Cleveland, Tennessee, which is just a little northeast of Chattanooga. He won the U.S. Junior Amateur Championship in 1985 at Brookfield Country Club in New York. Played his college golf at Georgia Tech, where he was a two-time All-American. He was inducted into their Sports Hall of Fame in 2000. Charlie turned pro and joined the Corn Ferry Tour in 1994. Got a big win that year in his home state at the Nike South Carolina Open. Finished second the following week at the Central Georgia Open. Charlie finished third at the Shell Houston Open in 1995 behind Payne Stewart, who won that tournament in a playoff over Scott Hoke. Started his broadcasting career at ESPN in the late 1990s. Moved over to the Golf Channel in 2008 and co-hosted the Morning Drive. And I'm very excited that Charlie is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Charlie, thanks for coming back on the show. Hey, I appreciate it, Chris. Yeah, thanks for the... Uh... Big intro there, and uh, Liberty Davina, man, I tell you what, that's one heck of a guest right there. I, I was thinking about it a little bit ago, and and when I saw I was coming on your show tonight, I think the first concert I ever saw, I, I grew up just south of Charlotte, uh, just barely inside of South Carolina, at the old Charlotte Coliseum was Billy Joel, and of course Liberty Davina was was banging on the drums that night. The coolest thing I've ever seen. How, how did you get him on your show, Chris? That's awesome. <laughs> It is awesome, and I'm very excited he's a part of the show. And uh, to be honest with you, Charlie, I think uh, he sees that I'm friends with some other folks that are friends of his on social media. So when I asked the question, he probably thought, well, I guess this guy must be all right. He knows so-and-so and so-and-so, so so (laughs) come on this show. So I'm very excited he's here. It's quite a network in the world of golf. You know, to think the people that, uh, whether through broadcasting or through golf or uh, it's just amazing that the opportunity that you have uh, as a member of the media or uh, like me playing a little bit and then a long-term uh, member of the media, just to, the doors that, that, that golf opens. It's unbelievable the relationships that are built through this game. Yeah, 100% agree with that. So, Charlie, like I mentioned in your intro, it's been almost 13 months to the day that we got to spend some time with you, and it hasn't exactly been a smooth 13 months for you. You battled and won 
against stage uh, stage three colon cancer. Catch us up on how you're doing and uh, how you were able to overcome it. Well, um, I have I, I, had a I've had a tough year, um, as you know. Uh, it, it's uh, hitting your family as well, and it just seems like uh, right now I'm 54 years old and. And I, I've just got a lot of friends and acquaintances and, and you know, people that I know that, that are dealing with it, uh, some form of cancer. And uh, can, cancer is just, cancer is bad news. I, you know, it, 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 it doesn't care if you're a Democrat or Republican, fat, skinny, what your religion is, what color your skin is. I mean, it just doesn't discriminate. But uh, um, I, I'm, I'm hopefully towards the end of my journey of dealing with it. Um, I, I was diagnosed um, with uh, it, it. It started out I didn't have any symptoms, and and uh, was just in for a physical. And, and the doc's like, "Hey, when's the last time that you've had a colonoscopy?" And I had actually had one when I was forty. So it was at that point it was about eleven or twelve years previous. And he said it's time for a colonoscopy, and you go in and get the procedure, which uh, really isn't a big deal at all, getting a colonoscopy, but what is a big deal is when you're um, sitting there waiting for the doc to come in, and and before I'd gotten the thumbs up, hey, you're all clear, uh, you know, we'll see you back here in ten years. But this time I got, well, we need to talk a little bit, and and uh, you know that's that's uh, sort of tough news to get. Um, and it, it wasn't it wasn't clean cut simple for me. It was you, you've got these things called polyps, and not. Um, all polyps don't turn into cancer, but all cancer comes from polyps. So they wanted to keep me under surveillance. So it ended up being about a about a two year journey where uh, you know they'd have me come back in and do a colonoscopy, and I'd say, yeah, it's changing a little bit. And then I got sent to a specialist in Charleston, South Carolina, to try a technique called an advanced polypectomy. And please excuse me, Chris, if I get some of these terms wrong. Uh, I've had so many thrown at me <laughs> the last two years. It's not really my <laughs> no specialty, doubt. but but uh, that, that was a technique where they were trying to remove a polyp without having to actually go in and, and cut a section of your colon out and and uh, had a few complications from that. And then the doctor wanted to try again, so we tried again. And the whole time they're looking at the biopsies and they're, you know, they're saying, hey, you don't have cancer. And then finally, um, a couple of doctors got together and they said, listen, you need to get your um, uh, section of your colon removed. Uh, the procedure I have is called a uh, right hemocolectomy, and uh, they they took about a foot of my colon. And, and by the way, it really upset me because afterwards I was trying to figure out what you do with my colon. I was wanting to take it home and put it in a pickle jar, Chris. I'm thinking <laughs> they probably they probably threw it in a dumpster out back, and I got feral cats riding around in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, with a foot of my colon. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, they they would never tell me what they actually did with it. I, I won't. I, I, it's like my colon. I won't. But uh, that's the only humorous thing that I've dealt with in the past two years. But uh, uh, the the uh, surgery was successful. I had some pretty serious complications from the surgery that kept me in the hospital about nine days, and and uh, um, that that was not much fun. But about the third day, the surgeon came in and he said, uh, "Oh, by the way." Uh, we did the pathologies on your colon, and you've got stage three colon cancer. And um, my wife, who's an RN, was with me, and and um, it really surprised us because we were thinking that we were aggressively um, pursuing having a polyp removed, 
uh, by getting that section taken out, and we were getting it before it turned to cancer, but we were actually a little bit late. And uh, so that was that was really, you know, pretty shocking news to hear. And then uh, I, I elected to go down and seek treatment at MD Anderson in Houston at that point. And, and um, boy, I'm telling you what, that place is, is absolutely amazing. Um, the CV on the doc that they assigned me was, was an impressive guy, starting with like a undergraduate degree in electrical engineering. And uh, he's a PhD along with being an MD. His name is, is uh, uh, Scott Kopetz, and he's one of the best in the, in the world. And, and so um, I, I knew I was in great hands there. And they, they did all the diagnostic tests and actually redid everything that we had had uh, done in other places. And he came up with a game plan and um, they put me on, on chemo. I was very fortunate to only get uh, three months of chemo, um, which was the standard of care for the, the kind that I have. They recently changed that. It used to be you get six months of chemo for what I had. And it gets progressively worse if you go through it. I, I don't know how you could really get through six months of that stuff. But uh, uh, we, we made it through and, and uh, there was some, you know, some tough days, some challenging days. And, and, uh, um, uh, that the last chemo that I took was two, two types, one orally pills and the other one through a port that they installed near my right collarbone. Uh, and, um, got through it and, and wait, wait a few weeks. Of course, you get to ring the bell when you get through your treatment and wait a few weeks and come back and, you know, get scans and blood tests and other things and get in very blessed to get the news that, that uh, I'm cancer-free. I'll be under surveillance for probably at least three years, which is some sort of test for uh, either a scan or a colonoscopy or a blood test every every three months. And, and you know, just to make sure that if, if it does come back somewhere else, then we'll catch it really early. But um, the sense that I got in dealing with it was, you know, it, 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 wasn't much fun, but when you start going to a cancer center like MD Anderson and you look around and there, there's always people that, gosh, have it so much worse than what you could possibly imagine. And and uh, I, I learned real quick when, when you're going to a cancer center, there's no bitching because no matter what you got, there's somebody else sitting on your right and on your left. They've got it worse. But the, the thing that the last conversation I had with Dr. Kopetz before I left and I, I said, Doc, let me make sure I've got this right. I said, I feel like I was blessed in that you guys caught this early in screening. And uh, that allowed you to have a full toolbox to use all of these different things that you have these days to help me beat this cancer. And had I not had that screening, what would have happened is a year, two years, five years down the road, I would have a symptom. I'd have some bleeding or something would hurt. And I'd come in to see you guys and you would say, um, go ahead and get your affairs in order. You got about six months left. And, and, uh, I said, but because I got the screening, you guys caught it early. Now my prognosis is excellent. And, and I, I you've got a good chance of living the rest of my life cancer free. And he said, that's correct. And I said, well, doc, I'm going to scream it from the tallest tree. Everybody that, that I can reach, get your cancer screening done because if they catch it early, they got so many different ways to save your life. And and I feel like that's exactly what happened to me. And Chris, I feel like that's my mission moving forward is just letting people know, you know, colon cancer, there's nothing embarrassing about getting a screen. I mean, you're asleep. <laughs> and and uh, 
uh, so many in particular men don't want to go in and get the colonoscopy. And if you go do it and, and you got a problem, it will absolutely save your life because that's what happened to me. Charlie, you mentioned my family and my brother-in-law is currently battling stage four colon cancer. For, for everyone out there who currently is either dealing with cancer or has a loved one or a friend who is, I can't imagine what it feels like to have chemo drugs running through your body and the emotional roller coaster that cancer takes you on. What advice can you give us for how to take care of and support, like I say, a friend, loved one, whoever it is, who has cancer? What's the right way to interact with somebody that is going through the things that you went through? Well, that, that that's a wonderful question. And, and I would encourage people, um, if, if you've got a loved one that's dealing with any kind of cancer, Pick up your pick up your phone. Send them a text. Text is the best way to do it. Just just say, hey, I'm thinking about you. I'm praying for you. You're 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 on my mind, and and that that's the very best way to do it. Because when you're on the chemo, you have some days where you just don't want to talk to anybody. I mean, I, I had quite a few days where I just go 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 to the house and turn the AC down to sixty and get under the covers and curl up in a big ball, you know, in those days I didn't, I don't want to talk to anybody, but it sure meant a lot to me, you know, when my phone would buzz and I'd look over there and there's a text from a friend or a family member or a business associate. And, and oftentimes I'd pick, pick it up and, you know, call them back. But I think a lot of times people think, you know, I've got, I've got a, I've got a friend that's sick. I don't want to bug them. So they, they don't reach out. Just, just send a text. That, that is the best way to do it. And, and, it means so much more uh, than you could possibly imagine, knowing that someone is is thinking about you, is praying for you, and and uh, I believe in the power of prayer, and certainly something that's is very very powerful. And and um, I was aware of a lot of folks praying for me, and it's something that I was very 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 appreciative of. Charlie, you you mentioned ringing the bell. Talk about what that moment was like for you when you got to step inside what looks like a little phone booth in there and, and put your hand on that bell and, and, and ring it, knowing that what that means is I've, at least right now, I'm cancer free and I've beat this thing. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, a couple things about cancer. Number one, it's, it's, um, it's a team sport. Um, and especially as men, we're, we're used to carrying the ball. We don't really want anybody to help us out. When you go through cancer, you 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 got to have a team that helps you out. You're sure a medical team, but you got to have the you know the p- folks around you. I mean, I'm, I'm blessed. My wife, who's who's a, an angel, she's an RN. I don't know how I would have got through this whole thing without having her with me every step of the way. But but uh, um, you just you know, sometimes you got to let somebody else carry the ball, and 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 uh, um, you 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 got to do that. You know, when when you're dealing with cancer, and it and it's just it's it's emotional. Um, it, you're on this roller coaster, and you, you have some good days, and then you you know then you have some bad days coming off the chemo, and and when you're looking, you know, on those bad days, and you're like, oh my gosh, I, you know, I got to get through three more cycles of chemo, I'm never going to get there. And then when you finally get there and you've done that, that last round of treatment, they say you get to go ring the bell. Um, you know, I, I was, I was very, very emotional, very grateful. I was happy to be standing there. Um, and, and, uh, it's just the, the things that run through your mind when you get a chance to do that are, uh, 
um, you know, just just really challenging, and you know, it, it literally bring a grown man, you know, to 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 his knees and and and, and tears, and and uh, you know, for for me, um, I don't I don't live my life in fear of death. I know where I'm going, um, you know, when when I die, but uh, I, I I've got a lot of you know, I've got a grand and a grandchild. I've got two, you know two wonderful sons, a wife, and you know, a lot of family. I've got a lot of things that, you know, at 54 that I want to do here. And, and, uh, um, you know, when my time's up, my time's up. I'm, I've, I've lived three or four lives and, you know, in one. So I'm grateful for what I've had, but I'm, I'm sure glad to know the big man, uh, is planning on keeping me around for at least a little bit longer, at least. And, 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 you know, those are the kinds of things that, you know, really run through your mind when you're dealing with something that's, you know, potentially could put you in the grave. And, and, uh, it, it's just, uh, Things you don't deal with on a daily basis and, and, um, emotional things and spiritual things and, you know, a lot of uncomfortable things that you, you normally push to the side, but you, you want to make sure you you know, your, your insurance, your life insurance is paid up. Your will is done. Everything is squared away. I mean, stuff that you just don't think about on a normal basis that you have to deal with when you've got a diagnosis like that. And, and, and a lot of ways it just seems surreal. And, uh, when you get to ring that bell, and and you you know you've still got some more work to do, but you've done the majority of it. It, it really is emotionally overwhelming. Charlie, the last two years, particularly for you, but for all of us, has has been a crazy the craziest time in my lifetime. I mean, you went through cancer. You've gone through the pandemic. Do you ever think that you'd see a time when you'd get excited to find gold bond available somewhere online? <laughs> You, you know that's that's funny. You, you uh, I tweet a lot, and most of the time it's pretty silly stuff. But I, I'm gonna tell you what: when you're a big man like me, and you're 54 years old, and you've spent most of your life on a golf course, uh, gold bond is a big part of your life. And and uh, I, I I have a really hard time finding gold bond right now. And uh, my wife found some the other day, I think at Walmart.com, but at the normal places it's gone. I don't know what happened to it. But my life without gold bond is not as good as it is with gold bond. I, I mean, I, I haven't I haven't left the house in over 40 years without using gold bond. I'm not going to tell you where I put it. But I, and all of a sudden, I can't find it. It's panic time for me. So I'm, I'm glad that my wife found it. And I think I got a case of it now. So I'm good for at least about six months, I think. <laughs> Charlie, along with all of your other duties, you're also the executive vice president at the McLemore, who was a wonderful partner with me in the show. Talk about what you're doing there. Well, McLemore is just is a wonderful place. And, and uh, while I grew up in South Carolina, I was born uh, near Chattanooga, Tennessee, and, and all my family is, is in this area. And uh, um, I had heard of McLemore, but I hadn't been on the property. And and, uh, gosh, close to about three years ago now through a family connection, um, I, I went up to look at the property and, and the principal there, the, the president is, is, uh, uh, first day I'd ever met him is, is Dwayne Horton. And, uh, now we're, we're very close friends and, and, uh, but, but, uh, I walked on the property. I took one look around and I looked at Dwayne Horton and I said, I don't know what this is going to look like, but I'm in here. I want to be involved. And, and, uh, so I, I started, um, started out to, to, uh, just sort of do a little bit of consulting there and, 
and they included me in more and more of their meetings and and the ownership group is just absolutely magnificent. It's a wonderful group of people and and uh they they want it to be a really special place and 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 it is and they they do business in the right way and they treat people right and and uh so uh a little over a year ago they asked me to be a bigger part of the team and and hired me as executive vice president and uh um it it allows me to use the part of my brain that is a PGA professional and and uh uh it it's just been uh a, a joy to 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 work for them and and I've got some other things I do in the world of golf as well but but um everybody seems to get along well with me doing multiple things but it's uh um the golf course of recognition is received most notably golf digest putting in the top 100 courses of public access um that that's something that's very exciting for us uh we we've got a magnificent 200 million dollar hotel project that's right at 50% complete and uh very excited uh we've got um a new golf course that's under construction in fact uh, I'm on site probably at least two or three times a week uh most weeks um Reese Jones and, and Bill Bergen who teamed up to do the redesign of our existing course this is a brand new design it's called the outpost and uh it, it's uh I, I think going to uh stir things up um in the world of golf we've got a piece of property chris i don't know if you had a chance to get over and look at it but it's about 480 acres and uh not a single house on the property and and uh, we've got a mile and a half of cliff edge and every inch of that cliff edge is filled up with golf hole. and uh so it, it's uh going to be something super special and both the, the new golf course and the hotel will come online um, probably late spring in 2024. And, and uh, when that happens, I think we can go toe-to-toe with just about any facility in the country. And, and uh, just a very energizing place. It's a spiritual place. We're on Lookout Mountain just a little south of Chattanooga at about 22, 2,300 feet of elevation. That allows us to have big grass greens, which is which is something that, that you don't see a whole lot more. You don't see a whole lot of these days in the southeast. And our superintendent Ryan Emerson does a great job. So it's just a special place, a great team, and and uh, I'm 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 thrilled that I get a chance to to have a small role and and something that I think is going to be significant in the world of golf. Charlie, just a couple more before I let you go, and I want to talk a little bit about your show. And right out of the gate, I got to ask you: you had Paige Spiranak on your show not all that long ago. How'd you get your wife to agree to that? <laughs> well, my, my wife's with me all the time, at all times. <laughs> Paige, is, Paige is great, and and uh, thrilled thrilled to have her uh, on, on the show. She she's uh, she's a lot of fun. She's got a lot of things to say, and and uh, she she's uh, really an excellent golfer as well. And we're, we were happy to have her on the show, and and uh, we're. We're in season two now. Last year we were on CBS Sports. This year we're, we're on ESPN two, and and uh, generally on Sunday mornings at, at uh, eight o'clock Eastern time. And and uh, we, we've had some really neat celebrities along with Paige. Uh, I got uh, m- most recently the shows um, had Sterling Sharp on uh, this past week's show, and and uh, he he is wonderful. He, he's an old friend, and he's normally pretty stoic and doesn't talk a lot. I, Chris, I could. We were driving out to like the 14th hole in my golf cart that we have hooked up with GoPros and drones flying around and camera guys and all this. I couldn't get him to to shut up 
I'm, I'm like, Sterling, wait, we haven't started taping yet. He, <laughs> he's like, but I got a lot to say. I said, time out. And he never, and finally we just rolled. I, I couldn't even get to the start point of the show. And uh, Ster, Sterling was great. Um, we got a show coming up. Uh, there's an actor, Brian Baumgartner, who's one of my all-time favorite shows, um, The Office on NBC. He plays the, the beloved character, uh, Kevin from The Office, you know, the big guy that's, it doesn't have a whole lot to say, but it's really funny. And, and in fact, I'm going to be over at Myrtle Beach this weekend. Brian's going to be over. There's a famous episode of The Office where um, he made a big giant pot of chili and he spilled it all over the office. And that's turned into a thing. Uh, he's tied in with the folks that do the world chili cook-off. And he's got a cookbook. And um, that, that the world chili cook-off is in uh, – Myrtle Beach this weekend, and I get to be a judge with Brian Baumgartner, Kevin from the office. So I'm, I'm very excited about that this weekend. But um, he, he he was a great guest, and and uh, so we've had Ray Romano, we've had Dustin Johnson. It's it's been uh, it's been a good year with with a lot of fun guests, and and I try to get everybody relaxed as as you do. I take I take tips from professional interviewers like like you, and and try and apply what I see, but get get folks comfortable in talking and. You get them in a golf cart and you're riding around. You, I think you generally get a little bit different kind of answer than if you're in a more formal studio setting. So it's been fun taping that show in, in Myrtle Beach, and and of course I represent Myrtle Beach and about 80 80 golf courses down there. And and uh, uh, I've split my time between the Chattanooga area and Myrtle Beach, and so I'm, I'm very fortunate. I feel like I'm on vacation, whether I'm in Chattanooga or Myrtle Beach. That's a that's a good way to feel. So uh, it, it's uh, been a lot of fun between my duties at Myrtle Beach and and the, and the ESPN two show and and being able to be be a, a part of the Macklemore team. Charlie, speaking about making people feel comfortable, one of my favorite episodes that you've done is with you and John Daly. You're out there playing a few holes with JD, who's wearing sandals and hit some shots barefoot. Talk about uh, getting to <laughs> yeah. spend some time with JD. Yeah, JD. Um, I, I, going back to playing days, um, I, I've always had a good relationship with him, and and um, he, he's a guy that uh, uh, I think he's a little misunderstood. Um, and and um, you know, J, JD is he's he's had a lot of self-inflicted damage. He's been honest about it. Um, which, which I think the the fans really respond to, uh, someone just straight up being, yeah, I wasn't so smart about that. And, 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 uh, yeah, I was, I was pretty dumb about this. And, and, and he sort of lived his life, you know, as an open book. And, and, uh, still to this day, the response that he gets from fans is, 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 uh, re- really impressive and, uh, very, very engaging. And, and, uh, He's uh, he's been a you know good friend over the years and and um, you know I, I my friendships you know I definitely am not judgmental towards towards friends or really anybody but but um, you know I've seen him do some things I'm like oh man I wish he wouldn't have done that but but um, he deep down he's got a huge heart and and uh, he he's he's um, uh, done a lot of good for a lot of people and he really hasn't gotten that much credit for it because people tend to focus on the negative stuff, but it's just like anything else, you know. It, everything in life is not black or white. There's a lot of gray, and, and that's and that's where he exists. And and uh, I don't like the Santa Claus look right now with him. I, I wish he'd say that. Here. Did you see? 
<laughs> Did you see the father-son event last year in December where he, he had a full-blown Santa suit? And, I mean, he was dead ringer for Santa. But uh, <laughs> he, he's a hot mess. He's a good friend. I love him to death. I w- wish him the best. And, and uh, I know he's going through health struggles as well right now. But uh, he is uh, – hopefully that, that interview gave you know, a little bit different insight into him than maybe, maybe you get in some other places. Charlie, before I let you go, remind our listeners again how they can stay up to date with you, whether that's listening or, or watching your TV show, following you online, or it's over social media. Yeah, sure. So Twitter, I try to keep everything up to date on, on the Twitter. That's the only social media I do. Uh, I'm barely able to learn how to do that, but it's uh, at Charlie Romer, PGA. Um, also, you can uh, uh, go to the uh, website, playgolfmyrtlebeach.com. Some of the writing I do, the links to the shows that are on ESPN2 are over there as well. So between Twitter, Charlie Romer, PGA, and playgolfmyrtlebeach.com, you can keep up with uh, uh, what, what it is that I'm up to. Well, Charlie, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule to come back and be a part of the show. So glad you were here tonight. You're a treat, my friend, and I am excited you got to ring the bell, and I look forward to all the great things that you're going to do, and I hope you come back and join me again sometime before too long. Yeah, my, my pleasure, Chris. Great work, as, as always, and, and uh, uh, congratulations on the success of the show, and, and uh, it's a real honor for you to have me on, and uh, anytime, uh, that, anytime that you need me, I'm happy to come on and chat about anything. I appreciate that very much, Charlie. All the best to you and your family, my friend. Look forward to catching up soon. Thank you. Take care. See you, Charlie. That is the great Charlie Reimer, folks. At Charlie Reimer PGA is where you can find him on social media. And the Charlie Reimer Golf Show is about as good as it gets for golf on TV from an interview perspective. Charlie is a fantastic interviewer. He's a great human being. And they have so much fun when they're out there driving around like you heard him talk about during the segment, driving around on the golf cart and playing a few holes of golf and chatting along the way. It is just the best golf show to watch on TV. And Charlie is a wonderful human being. I am so glad that he got to ring the bell at the end of all of his uh, cancer treatments and that sort of thing. And I am looking forward to having him back on the show many, many times. Before I get to my next guest, Chris Carter, I want to remind you about a couple of our friends, starting with the folks over at Strixon Cleveland Golf. Your best performance starts with the right golf ball at Strixon. A global leader in golf ball technology and innovation, Strixon offers a wide variety of award-winning golf balls for golfers of every skill level. Whether you're searching for a tour performance golf ball or a distance golf ball with incredible feel, Strixon provides the best golf balls at incredible prices. Strixon offers a wide variety of personalized options, while also developing a highly visible colored golf ball as well. Select the right golf ball for your game today and trust it with Shrixon. Check them out online at Shrixon.com. S-R-I-X-O-N.com. Find the right golf ball for your game today. I also want to remind you about our friends over at Sun Mountain. There's a company nestled in the Valley of Missoula, Montana, that embodies the essence of quality, function, and innovation, and that's Sun Mountain which started building golf bags back in 1981. They are an industry leader in golf bags, travel covers, outerwear, and push carts. With flagship products that you've come to know, like the C-130 cart bag, the 2.5 ultralight stand bag, the club glider travel cover, the speed cart, and Rainflex rain gear. Sun Mountain continues its quest to provide 
the very best in golf products to every range of golfer. Visit them online at sunmountaingolf.com to look at their amazing products. Okay, now next on the tee with me is Chris Carter. Chris is the chairman and CEO of Aproyo. He's also a member of the Forbes Coaches Council. And he's the owner and editor of Sports Geeks USA, which is one of the best sports radio networks out there. We've known each other for years, but this is the first time that I've got to have him as part of the show, and I'm very excited he is here and next on the tee with me tonight. Hey, Chris, thanks for joining me. 